Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 13, 24 to 37. Mark 13, 24 to 37. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious loving God, we thank you for this time of worship that you have given us in our lives. Lord, from this hectic and busy lives, Lord, we have gathered here in this place so that we may once again enter into your holy presence and to know that you are indeed the Lord of our lives. And Lord, as we now come with open mind and open ears and open heart to listen, to hear your word, we pray that you will speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may leave this place knowing that we have been touched by your word that we have heard your call upon our lives and that we may go and live as your people in this world. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, once upon a time, there was a little boy who could not wait to get to high school. The high school kids seemed to have so much fun. So he really looked forward to the day when he will be in high school. And once... He got into high school, however, he noticed that the people like his sister who had gone off to college were having more fun than he was. He could not wait to get to college. But college seemed to drag on after, after a while and he was tired of all the homework. So he couldn't wait to get out of school, get a job and make some money. And when he got his first job, it seemed like the really happy people were the ones who are married with children 
and a home with a backyard and maybe even a, a dog. And he envied those people um, who are married and with children, and he couldn't wait to get married himself. But once he was married and had two children and a mortgage and a dog, <laughs> he envied those couples whose children had gone away to college. They had so much more time for each other. And finally, his children had left for college. But now, the burden of a mortgage and tuition for two children was very heavy, and he couldn't wait to be out of debt, pay off his house, and retire. Then he could have some real fun, like all those people who moved to Arizona and play golf every day. Then one day, in the early winter of his life, standing at the 18th hole tee box at the golf course near his home in Phoenix, he thought to himself, what's the point? What's the point? You know, life is a never-ending continuation of waiting for something. We wait for phone calls. We wait for people. We wait for a ride. We wait for results. We wait for decisions. We wait for jobs and opportunities. And we wait for millions of other things. But when we ask ourselves, what are we really waiting for? I'm not sure if any of us can give a clear answer to that question. This poor fellow, like so many others, had waited all his life for something and ended up missing the point altogether. You know, Christmas for many of us can end up being a similar experience where the anticipation and excitement of Christmas that starts to build up with Black Friday sales and peaks with Christmas Eve celebrations end up with a sense of emptiness in us the day after Christmas. After all the waiting we do during the weeks leading up to Christmas, we may very well end up asking ourselves the same question. What's the point? What are we really waiting for in this season of Advent? So I want to share with you about what it means for us to wait, what it is that we are really waiting for in this season of Advent. First, it is important for us to understand and know that the greatest gift that God has given us is not a thing, but the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So what we are waiting for is not really what, but who. God did not give more things to save the world, but the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said in John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And what Jesus offered to the world was the person himself more than anything else. And my prayer for every one of you is that in this season of Advent, that your greatest longing and joy will be to know the person of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and to have your hearts awakened and filled by the joy, peace, and love of Jesus Christ. Now the question is, how then is this going to happen? How do we actually get to know the person of Jesus Christ that we are waiting for this Christmas? The answer is very simple. It is through the word. Can we all say it together? It is through the word. 
That's right. The answer is it is through the word. It is through studying, meditating, and living the word. You know, in John chapter 1, this is what it says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then if you go to verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let us remember that the Savior to be born this Christmas, whom we are all waiting, is the word that was with God in the beginning of time, taking on the form of human flesh. In other words, Jesus Christ is the word of God that became a human being. If you believe this, then you must also believe that apart from this word of God, no one can come to know who Jesus Christ is. Amen? Apart from this word of God, no one can come to know who Jesus Christ is. If so, my question to you this morning is, are you spending time to know who it is that you are waiting for in this season of Advent? I'm sorry to say that the tragedy of our time is that so many people in the church who celebrate Advent and Christmas know so little about God's word. People in the church say that Christmas is not about the gifts or the parties, but about the birth of Christ who came to show God's love for us and to give us life. And yet many of these people know so little, if anything, about this person who came to be our Savior. How can any believer possibly say that I am celebrating Advent and Christmas without ever spending time to study and get to know the Word? The tragedy is that many people in the church spend more time browsing through websites in search of great deals than searching through the Bible to get to know who Jesus really is. If the person of Jesus is revealed only through the Word, how can anyone celebrate the birth of Jesus without studying and learning the word? What does this Advent season mean to you? Is it a time of really waiting and anticipating the birth of Jesus Christ and preparing your hearts to receive all that Christ has to offer you as God's gift for you? Or is it just another holiday season a time for making a wish list, searching for the special offers and discounts online, and making plans for family gatherings and parties. If you truly believe that Christmas is really not about your family gatherings, but about celebrating the birth of the one who comes to be our Lord and Savior, then I urge you to take time and make the effort during this Advent season to study the word so that you may learn more about who it is that you are waiting for this Christmas. The second thing about waiting is the waiting has to do with how one lives one's life rather than killing time. So waiting is not about killing time. Waiting is about how we live our lives. In our text today, 
Jesus talks about the end of times and how one should live in the end times. So he says in verse 13 that we should be on guard and be alert. And then he tells a short story to highlight the importance of keeping watch. And Jesus says that there was a man who was going on a trip who put his servants in charge, assigning them with different tasks and one person at the door to keep watch. And Jesus says, do not let the master find you sleeping when he comes. Now, what does it mean then to keep watch and wait for the master's return faithfully? You know, there's only one way to wait for the master's return faithfully. And it is by doing what the master has assigned to each servant as best as one could, right? The waiting that Jesus is describing in this story is not an idle waiting where one waits by sitting around doing nothing and just killing time. Rather, it is waiting through doing faithfully the task that each person has been assigned to do. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus also tells a story of the judgment that will take place at the end of times. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, he says from verse 31, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. For I was hungry, and what? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What we learn from this story is that Jesus identified himself synonymously with those who are hungry, thirsty, lonely, naked, and sick, so that when the saints took care of these people, they were taking care of Jesus himself in ways that were invisible to them. How shall we wait for the coming of our Lord and Savior this Christmas? First is through the study of the word. Second, it is not by just sitting around doing nothing or by going shopping. It is by reaching out to those around us with love, care, compassion, peace, and justice. Because Jesus enters into this world and reveals himself to us through the cracks of broken lives. In other words, we wait by doing the things that Jesus would do if he was here today. When we engage ourselves in services of compassion, care, peace, and justice, in those moments of service, self-giving, and spiritual worship, all of us will find and meet Jesus there. Amen.
Finally, when Jesus says, be on guard, be alert, and keep watch, he's pointing to the importance of maintaining or living with a certain mindset as we live in this world. You know, Jesus says in verse 33 that we should be alert and be on guard because we do not know when the end time will come. In other words, not knowing when the end will be, Jesus is saying that we should live our lives being mindful of the brevity, brevity and unpredictability of life. You know, in Psalm 90, David offers this prayer to God. He prays to God by saying, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And then in Psalm 39, he says to God, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. See, it is important for us to remember that there are two kinds of eschatology. You know, eschatology is a theological word for the end times, right? So there are two kinds of the end time. One is the one is called the universal eschatology, where the world as we know it will come to an end with the second coming of Christ. So this universal eschatology refers to the second coming of Christ. Christ will come to us, and when he comes to us, the world will come to an end. And then there's a second eschatology. It's called personal eschatology. This is where we experience the end in our own personal lives. This is when we go to Christ. There are people who die suddenly out of heart attack. There are people who die of illness. There are people who die of accidents. Something that happens and all of a sudden they are no, no longer with us. Those people have met their eschatology and they have gone to be with the Lord. So there are two types of eschatology, universal eschatology and personal eschatology. Now, how would our life change if we were to live always with an eschatological awareness that we only live from day to day with no guarantee of tomorrow or anything? I mean, think about it. No one lives with a guarantee of tomorrow. Not you, not me, and nothing in life is ever guaranteed. Even if you buy an insurance, life insurance, whatever the insurance you could buy in all this world, that insurance doesn't mean anything because that insurance doesn't guarantee anything. Right? Amen? See, no one lives with any, any guarantee at all. We live from day to day, moment to moment, and there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Now, what if we were to live with this kind of understanding and be mindful of this brevity and unpredictability of life? Surely it will help us to live our life with a greater sense of appreciation, wonder, grace, and gratitude. For example, what would you do if you knew you had only one month left to live in your life? Would this knowledge affect and change the way you live your life today? Would you finish up important matters at work? Would you travel to a place you always wanted to go? Would you pray more, go to church more, do that generous act you always wanted to do for others? Would you do something that would live on after you are gone from this world? Would you reconcile 
a fractured relationship in your life. Waiting for Jesus Christ to be born in Christmas and for his return to this world means that we live with a certain eschatological attitude that becomes a source of wisdom and that provides renewed appreciation of all things in our lives. As we wait for the coming of Jesus Christ, let us remember that waiting for the person of Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ himself is the greatest gift given to us by God is through the study of the word. That we are waiting first for the person of Christ. And the second, waiting for us, for believers, is actively seeking to do those things that have been assigned to us rather than passively killing time in idle. And finally, it is to live with an attitude and wisdom that is grounded in the understanding of the finite nature of our brief and therefore brief life here on earth and therefore that we should make the most of our days appreciating all that life offers to us, loving those people that God has placed in our lives and seeking justice and goodness in all ways possible. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for teaching us what it means for us to wait for the coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in this season of Advent. Help us to know the person of Jesus Christ more deeply and intimately in our lives by engaging ourselves in the study of the Word, learning it and living it. Help us to use all that you have given us to, given us in doing all that Jesus taught us to do. Help us to live each day with a deeper understanding that our life here on earth is brief and that we should make the most of our days and opportunities seeking to do your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.